Welcome to Reality Bites Radio on the 10th of September 2015. And uh, delighted to welcome back Alan Watt to the, the show. You there, Alan? Yeah, I'm here, yep. Yep, loud and clear. Okay, um, I wrote, I wrote a, a short email to you, as, as usual, and uh, it, was, it was concerning how today's society perceives old society and old cultures. And uh, I wondered if the TV and the, the movies are trying to portray certain cultures in a certain way, so as uh, people can say, well, you know, they, they deserve it, that's, that's what they're like, you know, they're kind of they're savages or they're, you know, they're, they're backwards peoples or, or whatever. I mean, I, I suppose I, I was watching Vikings, and then that, they're, they're just totally portrayed as, as brutal savages. Every one of them's a psychopath. I mean, there was one scene where the guy just gets up and chops somebody's legs off just because he's sitting the wrong way and things like that. Um, and then I was thinking about Greece and how, how that's kind of transpired and whether these types of uh, societies, as they were in ancient times, the, the kind of warrior peoples, um, are, are being kind of goaded into reverting back to the way they were. Uh, you see some of the, the riots in Greece and they've got um, they've got dustbin lids, trash can lids and um, batons and it, you know if, if you if you saw them from a distance you think they were ancient warriors uh, yeah. with a shield a shield and a sword. Um, uh -huh. In terms of the way society is portraying them now, it seems to be it seems to be making these people out and right across the board it doesn't matter what historical drama you you watch, the uh -huh. the ordinary people are savages basically. Yes, uh, yeah. Now, there's no doubt about it that um, the whole world, and through the same international educational system and its various formats of indoctrinations, have been dumbing everybody down across the planet since about the, actually since the days of John Dewey, you know, uh, where they talked about bringing in a rather kind of peasant type society so that the elites could dominate and run the world, what they call properly, by experts and so on. Um, has been going on for an awful long time, and and you're seeing that this portrayal always again through uh, fictional uh, thing movies and so on, uh, as you try to debase different cultures down to some low common denominator of, of uh, primitive peasantry that needs expert rule, you see, and uh, and lots of folk who watch this stuff their whole life long uh, will adopt those particular viewpoints as well on the cultures. I've heard people even in Scotland saying, oh yeah, there's too many people and yeah, blah, 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 which is utter trite because the, the population of Scotland really uh, was around 5 million at that time. And um, if you want a minority group, there's the Scots, and now they're almost gone altogether with the massive influx of uh, European immigrants and African immigrants and so on. And so uh, everything you, you see on, on TV uh, and um, and movies really uh, is really uh, it's lies basically it's propaganda and it's really a preparation and indoctrination as well uh, getting you ready for some other type of system being brought in so uh, but as I say the average person who watches TV all their life will actually adopt the opinions that are given to, uh, to them and uh, and take the elite's point of view even though they're basically working class people I've heard out of their mouths too yeah. In, in terms of that, I mean, I, I've never, I've never seen a one of these kind of sword and sandal movies of of old, and recent series or recent movies on on the Romans, um, being being classed as barbarians. I've never, I've never seen one yet. They're, they're always classed as um, the, the the pinnacle of civilization, uh, which which fell apart because people got greedy and you know the, the too much sex and all the rest of it. But they're always they're always portrayed as. Uh, these noble warriors who went off and conquered places. I mean, it doesn't say they went off and slaughtered everybody, 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, that, that's standard, again. Uh, and for, again, in the European history books, uh, which, again, caters. Remember, uh, education for ordinary folk was a, a much later development, uh, really for the industrial uh, era, because they had to get basic reading and writing and basic arithmetic and so on, so as the people could work in the factories and, and, and sort of work and manage the factories. Uh, if it wasn't for that, probably they would never have given you basic education unless your parents could afford to bring in a private uh, teacher or something. That's how Robert Burns was taught, you know. Uh, so, uh, but basically, um, they never wanted the people to, at the bottom to get any education at all. Uh, and after, once they did get them education, uh, in Europe and Britain especially, uh, at least Britain wrote, wrote about it, they had big meetings of the nobility and the aristocracy uh, worrying about uh, taking down or reducing the work hours from 16 or 17 hours per day in the factories uh, down to and uh, giving them a couple of hours extra for themselves and the kind of mischief they might get up to if they started chatting to themselves, which could be compounded uh, with problems for the elite's rule if you also gave them a basic education where they could actually transmit what they'd read uh, about uh, life, history and so on and societies and they might eventually rebel. So there's a tremendous problem uh, right up into the, the 1900s uh, about this particular problem of giving basic education to the, uh, to the peasants. And that's what they, how they framed it, basically, the commoners, and, and uh, what effect it would have on, on uh, a stable society. Uh, that's never really changed. And then you've got the other groups too, the communist groups, elements that came in as well, which... Um, uh, really worked towards the same goal of expert rule by an intelligentsia run in a scientific fashion for society. So it's, 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 all, it's the same agenda that, that's, that's gone together. These two roads really merge into one with the same goals, and that's why you see it all working out today on, on all sides and all parties. Yeah, I suppose um, in, uh, in America we've got the, the native Indians, as it were, um, portrayed portrayed as well, and, and uned, uneducated, uh, illiterate, but of course they had, they had their own language. They, they, just because they didn't speak English doesn't mean they're illiterate, you know? That's right. And also, too, the problem again across Europe was that it was standard uh, for those who could afford education in universities and so on, but most folk could not. Uh, it was always an elitist thing, uh, was to be taught what they called classic history, which was based on Roman and Greek history. And uh, they taught the Latin, they taught the Greek, in fact, right up into the, again, the 19, about World War I, and most of these, these upper schools. And that's what they based their model of what civilization was. It was from the days of ancient Greece uh, and so on. In fact, Asia and that, wasn't, they weren't mentioned at all in those, 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 those teachings. And uh, it was all Greek and Roman uh, who brought civilization, especially the Roman part that took over from Greece, by conquering to unify what then was the ancient world. And that goal was always uh, present amongst uh, certain classes in, in, uh, in the upper strata of bringing in a world order again, you know, based on kind of Roman-type uh, order as well. Uh, and they always said that they went to civilize the world, didn't go to plunder it and to spread its tax base and so on and resources. And it was always to bring civilization. And you'll find with the, the empirical ages of the, the, the colonizers of Europe, different countries, they had the same format. They used the same excuses 
They never told you that the big uh, merchant bankers were running the countries already and and using your armies to go and plunder so that they and their own boys could get in there and get the uh, all the goods and raw resources and all the rest of it. Uh, so there's a tremendous hypocrisy in history, uh, which is always covered in lies, yeah. Yeah, I mean, go, go back to when I was a child, um, you know, you, we always watched the, the latest Western movies and all the rest of it. And again, even even the the, the kind of the shopkeepers in the little towns there were se- semi illiterate themselves, and there was there was always there was always kind of the the head guy in the town, whether it was a sheriff or or somebody else, some some corporate entity, um, was always there to to denigrate everybody and, and say that uh, you know we need to do this, we need to do that, and uh, you just you know you just mind your place kind of thing, and that, that was always how it was portrayed in the movies, and and again. Later on, when you, you, the Indians were portrayed as you know alcoholics, uh, you know savages, they were the ones doing all the scalping, and uh, they, they, they deserved what was coming to them, which was, as you say, civilization, mm-hmm. and and that's that's what was portrayed. And if we bring it back into what's happening today in Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, we, we see the same thing, um, yes. the same game plan, um, that, you know, dehumanize the the people that live there, even although you don't know who they are. You've never met them. Uh, you know nothing about them until you're, you're told that they were, you know, terrorists. And uh, away you go. Yeah, it's an old strategy again, very old strategy. Uh, you always demonise the enemy regardless, and the Romans did the same thing until they had them, quote, civilised, you know, and brought into the Roman Empire. Uh, then they'd lift them up a bit to the extent in their history books. But, uh, yeah, you always call them barbarian, uh, etc., uh, even though you, you, the Romans themselves were very paganistic, had their own kinds of sacrifices too, and including sacrificing their own troops for king for the day and all that, uh, for the Mars uh, uh, celebration. So, they, yeah, it's amazing how the hypocrisy involved with uh, those who, who get paid, the mercenaries who go off to get paid to, to civilize other countries for the big uh, mer- merchant bankers of the day. And ancient Rome had the same problem. It, ancient Rome was run really uh, doesn't matter who was the figurehead in power, he was dependent upon the loans it got too to manage this big empire and the massive armies and all the rest of it, there's a, a lot of history involved in that and even had the, the merchant bankers uh, workers going off with the armies and they managed all the, all the payments you know, the, the weekly or monthly payments to the troops, they managed all, all the uh, the logistical supplies and all the rest of it, and it all went down and carefully written down and all the rest of what was owed. And uh, the Caesar, whoever happened to be, would the emperor would go off and, and he'd meet with uh, the lenders of the day. Yeah. So nothing's really changed from then to, to the present time. Yeah. Well, so when you know when um, say people in Scandinavia watch watch a program like Vikings. Um, they, they they must have a better idea of drone history than the TV portrays. But do, do you think they actually take on some of the the characteristics, or you know, uh, try to live up to those kind of characteristics that are portrayed on the television in the modern in the modern era? The the one country in the world where you'll see it uh, emulated to an extent. I remember the whole culture idea is also fashion. It's fashion, music, and the whole culture industry. Uh, and the movies, and uh, you'll see it, it's more prominent in the U.S., who actually, you know, you'll see the whole, the whole, during the 70s, it turned out these different, Dukes of Hazard and all these different things, the guys with the, with the, with the, uh, you know, tailor-made jeans where they're, 
uh, the genitals were so crushed that you'd almost think that that's what their Adam's apple happened to be. Uh, the tight pants, the tight shirt, and the big hats and all that, acting like cowboys with big V8 engine cars and running moonshine. Uh, that's the image that was portrayed. This, we're free and we're wild and watch us sort of idea. And most, so many of the Americans actually thought that their, all their ancestors were cowboys, which is nonsense, utter rubbish, because factory towns were taken from Europe by the same boys who ran them in Europe, and they set them up across the U.S., brought the immigrants in, shoved them into different uh, mining towns and so on, factory towns, gave them the tokens that the guy who owned it uh, had his own tokens for money, and uh, you couldn't leave the damn place because you couldn't exchange them for dollars. You were stuck there. That didn't really change till World War One, you know. So, uh, but they don't know that. Their history's been given through Hollywood. And uh, as I say, through Hollywood, uh, they they all think they were free and wild and can make their own own destinies and all the rest of it. It's it's utter rubbish, yeah. Yeah, It's funny you should mention the the Hazard. I mean, I've actually seen some of those types of cars around here. Uh, The same paint jobs and everything, you know. And, you know, presumably the same types of people driving them. Mm -hmm. Or or, or they wannabes, yeah. They wannabes, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly that culture here, that fast car culture, you know, kind of drive like a maniac. I mean, we, we hear sirens down on the, the big highway down here, and there's, there's a lot of accidents around here on the, yeah. the interstates and stuff. Um, and it's, it's it's just atrocious driving. Uh, they, they drive like they're in a movie, and uh, uh-huh. it's, 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 no wonder. it's no wonder. They're trying to live a, a fantasy that never really was, you know. Uh, but what, what's true, too, I mean, uh, most ordinary people, and, and sociology proves it, and anthropology and all the rest of it, if you really study into it. Um, most folk who lived in the rural areas in, in any country had to get on together pretty well uh, for survival you know, purposes. You couldn't have uh, the, the kind of real Wild West, as it's often portrayed, exciting and, and gunslingers and all the rest of it. You couldn't really have that because it would be chaos, uh, and those who could... Uh, make things work, would all leave to go somewhere else. Uh, so so it's, it's the same in ancient Rome too. The, 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 the peasantry made, did the real work. Uh, they provided all your food and everything else. And, and they had their own uh, customs and all the rest of it, which were kind of foreign to the, to the elites. Um, and they, they were pretty well um, a, a, a true, uh, well-formed society. You'll find the same thing in most countries too. Uh, they didn't think about going off to war or anything. It's always elite to want to go off to war to conquer and gain more and become more prosperous themselves for their own uh, survival um, and, and progeny, uh, becoming wealthy down through time. That's never changed at the present day. But So the ordinary folk in every country have always managed to get on pretty well together. If you look at the history, uh, often it's given uh, and through, again, fiction uh, of Scotland, for instance, that, that you'd think that the clans were always slaughtering each other which wasn't true at all, you know. And there was lots of intermarriage between the clans. It went on all the time. And, um, and lots of cooperation as well. Uh, and they certainly had their own boundaries to an extent, but you didn't get slaughtered if you stepped over that imaginary line. Uh, but whereas the, but the, the, again, because England, because England came over and dominated Scotland, and even when I say England, I also mean the Normans, you know. They kind of slipped in quietly into Scotland, you didn't have the big, big, massive battles that they did in England. Um, but suddenly you had these lords that would appear in Scotland 
and, and they were really Norman extract, etc., and related to the ones who dominated England. And uh, they changed the histories and, and made you, uh, once again, it made it seem like it, before they came, there's nothing but barbarism everywhere, utter nonsense. Scotland even was, <laughs> Rome, ancient Romans used to send uh, their elite children often to, to the universities in Scotland in ancient times. And most folk have no idea that even happened. Uh, they even had ones in Ireland, ancient Ireland, uh, well documented too uh, by, the, by the Romans and, and the Greeks as well. So there was an ancient culture that certainly was not, uh, uh, you know, um, barefooted and all the rest of it, uh, just managing the cows. Uh, it was definitely an educated class uh, of the Celtic peoples. Yeah. T- taking that as a fact. Um, in, in terms of Hadrian's Wall, I mean, is that just a was that just a myth to to to, you know, to make out that the Scots were just all savages? Oh, it wasn't wasn't that? No, they weren't savages. They were defending their country <laughs> from invasion and, and um, Rome. Every country they went to invade at one, except Scotland. That's the only country they couldn't conquer. And uh, they, they they went up there. There was Antonine as well, and Hadrian. But the Ninth Legion um, was sent up into Scotland. And the Rome was in shock when it was found out that not one single one of them returned and they couldn't find a trace of them. And then they sent the 13th Legion in and the same thing happened to them as well. And that's what made them build the wall. They realized they couldn't conquer these people. They were so fiercely defended their their country, they wouldn't let it go. And um, they're very proud people. And they love their country. Scots have a great love of the land they're born on. You know, it's just incredible. And uh, why would you hand it over to a bunch of folk who are going to turn you into slaves? You know? Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what they'd like you to think. A bunch of hairy guys, you know, with clubs. Uh, utter nonsense. And, and, and um, as I say, they had, they had thriving ancient cities in, in, in places across Scotland too. And England as well, mind you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in terms of that, like, we're portrayed as savages, and but obviously we're, as you say, just de- defending the country and defending it pretty well by the sounds of things. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, at that, at that point, the, the, culture start, the culture creation industry starts to portray Scotland as losers. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. right, I mean, from then, we're, you know, we can't run, run our own country, we're not, we're not good enough to run our own country, blah, 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 That's all this right. kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. our, our soccer team's rubbish, you know, all, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's this kind of, I found it in Scottish people, um, maybe some of the the lesser educated, shall we say, um, saying, oh, well, you know, that's just, it's just that's just Scottish for you. You know, that's that's just the way we are. You know, yeah. we're always going to be second. We're always going to be useless. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I find that's a, a mindset that seems to be, you know, kind of growing, if anything. It's this whole independence uh, stuff is just farcical. Mm-hmm. You know, when pe- people have, seem to have this uh, defeatist attitude about everything. Yeah. So what, what, what you have is a deculturalization process. And there's actually, I mean, even from the Romans up to the present time, uh, it, it, there's techniques of, and they're using it, by the way, in the Middle East, uh, you know, in Iraq and so on. Uh, they sent anthropologists in with all the troops, you know, that uh, to find ways to, to work with the people there. But you start deculturalizing the people. To, to lose their culture, lose their patriotism, lose the love, love of, their, of themselves, each other in the country. Uh, that's standard as you knock a country down. Ireland and Scotland um, uh, literally uh, had, had English, language, English, English language forced upon them by law, you know. 
And uh, at certain times in, in Scottish history, if you spoke Gaelic, you were hung on the spot. You know, after Culloden, that happened too. And uh, you couldn't even wear your tartan eventually. Your, that was your, your tribal's, it, it was a nice damned uh, outfit, you know. You couldn't wear that either. That was your, that was your uh, attachment to all your ancestors and your whole history before you. That was all written in the codes of the tartan of your clan. Uh, you were forbidden to wear that too, or they'd kill you, with one exception. And the exception was, yeah, you could, you could speak Gaelic and you'd wear the tartan if you fought for the English army abroad, you know. That's how they won Canada, you know. It was the Fraser Highlanders, after Culloden, uh, they brought over. Uh, they, they faced either getting slaughtered uh, or, or fighting for the English, and they won the heights at, at uh, Quebec, you know, uh, so under Wolf. So um, uh, that's all they've done ever since, has been the shock troops for the British Empire. You know. So you've been, you, we've been deculturalized totally. Your history's been almost eradicated. Uh, you've been made to feel a second-class citizen. If you had a Scottish accent, you, you were definitely way down the rung on the class scale, as far as those in London were, were concerned. Uh, when you opened your mouth, it didn't matter who your IQ was, if you opened your mouth, your accent would immediately categorize you in a certain class, and you were not deemed to get above it. You know? that, that's factual history. Yeah. So off they go, and they land in um, Wessex, and the, the, the English there don't speak English. They're speaking their own their own language. Uh, Northumbria uh, has a different language, and nobody in England speaks English at that time. That's right. Um, um, and all different, all different uh, dialects. When did when did that start changing? Well, for a long time you had the Dane law, remember, and uh, the Danes all really ran a good part of England for one one time. Even but even before that, uh, you had the, the lords of the Isles that lived in the west coast of Scotland who literally were part of the, the, the whole pre-Viking group. We don't realize the whole of Scandinavia and Scotland were attached in ancient, really ancient times, uh, going into what was called prehistory. And they had uh, often, the, the Lord of the Isles, who lived in the west coast of Scotland, in a castle there, uh, were also ruled a good part of England, uh, all the way down through Northumbria was part of Scotland for a long time. It was given away in marriage eventually of, of royalties. But uh, the, the, the uh, were also the rulers of the Scandinavia as well. And, and, and it was quite acceptable from the, from the Scandinavians' point of view that they, those people and those who, who were in Scotland were the same people to an extent, you know. To a good extent, so there's no no nasty feelings about it, and sometimes ones in Scandinavia would rule uh, a good parts of Scotland and Ireland as well. They're all related, you know. So uh, um, again, uh, there's a long, long prehistory uh, that goes into uh, the history up until the, the early Catholic times, and again, the Catholicism as well tried to eradicate a lot of that uh, that as well. Yeah, the history. So. Yet you're always de- deculturalized by eradicating history. Uh, people don't even know that Scotland had a, a, a naval fleet. In fact, they sunk the, uh, a Roman fleet uh, off the, the, the east coast of Scotland. Yeah. Well, another thing that was portrayed in the, the Vikings thing was that uh, I think it was um, Wessex and Northumbria came to an agreement with the Vikings that they, they would give them some land if they helped them as, uh, as mercenaries um, to conquer Mercia. I don't, I don't know how how true that is, but um, were, were the Vikings used as mercenaries 
in England? Uh, not so much really as the way it's portrayed, no. Um, as I say, the Danes had, a lot of the Danes had settled in, in part of Wessex and so on, in part, or parts of England. And they had the Dane law there up until Harold, King Harold, you know, his days, and, and then they were conquered with the Normans, etc. And the Normans really changed the whole face of everything and kind of rewrote the history as well. Uh, uh, there's no doubt that, that certain clan chiefs uh, in the Norwegian uh, side uh, would also hire occasionally men e- e- either to a, a cousin somewhere over in, say, in Scotland or Ireland, uh, and that's always been the way too. It's not so much mercenaries. Well, you, you, but your, your tribe would go off and fight for your, your cousin or whatever in different countries. That that was their form of mercenary, I suppose. Uh, Scotland did it once in a while too. And in fact, even, even in, in towards the north of Italy uh, today, you still get uh, certain red-headed uh, Italians on the north of, of Italy because a tribe, one one clan, was sent over there to fight in a war, and. Um, they never got back, and, and for a long time they spoke Gaelic, and a lot of them still have Scottish surnames. So they were widely scattered. They were world travellers. We understand that they were world travellers in those days, and um, they didn't they didn't see the world's one tiny little localized place. They saw it to be explored, and they were really early explorers as well. So a lot of trade too came through Scotland and Ireland as well from different countries. Uh, from ancient times as well, right, right up and again to the Normans came, and the Normans changed everything, uh, including the, the versions of history. Lots of the history was burned, burned in, in massive p- uh, piles, basically, to eradicate the past. You always eradicate the past to dominate a people, and and after a generation or two of indoctrination of the first generation, it, you know, if you indoctrinate your first generation, they indoctrinate the children for you. Uh, and then you end up with this kind of vague nothingness of, of what the past was for you, you know. Where when everybody around you, or the one who's conquered and rules you, like London, for instance, uh, dominates the world during an empire uh, era. Whereas you yourselves have, have nothing to look back on except to eat and haggis, you know, and stuff like that. That's all you get left with, you know. It's a joke, you know. Yeah, I do remember, like many years ago, wondering what it was to be Scottish anymore because I, I, I couldn't see anything in Scotland that was that was that was Scottish anymore. Yeah. It's just it was just this, um, this amalgamation of of English um, cultures or, or you know things, and it was all kind of intermingled. There was no discerning thing. I mean, you had these um, guys standing on street corners uh, with bagpipes, uh, you know, collecting money, and yeah. and. That was it. I just thought there's, there's your culture just sold sold for a, a you know ten p. Somebody throws it in a box and uh, I, I couldn't discern what what it actually meant to be Scottish anymore. Yeah, that that was deliberate, absolutely deliberate, and um, it's very successful. It went on for such a long, long time, and because we, we were put into a colony of 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 London, really, you know. London ruled. I, I don't even distinguish London. I, I do distinguish London from England. Because uh, they they gave it, even the whole of England a completely different culture as well. There was different groups across it, like their Yorkshire and so on, that really were separate tribal peoples, very proud and separate from the rest. And eventually they went under as well. So it didn't just happen in Scotland. It was a, a uniformity that was created by a conquering army. Yeah. Oh, I, I suppose right up to the modern time, with the the amount of mass immigration that's happened in England, that's that's gone completely now. 
Yeah. There's, I mean, the, the I think I think um, the people in the south of England, particularly, must feel totally um, alienated at this point and and have no concept of of what you know growing up in a an English society would would be because that simply doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't. No. 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 And the same as guns. Um, getting on to uh, a country like Germany. Uh, you know, we hear in the media that uh, you know Germans should be apologetic for what what happened in the Second World War and all this kind of stuff. And I've I've heard many times Germans say, "Well, hold on a minute, it's nothing to do with us. We weren't alive." Um, mm-hmm. so, so do you think there's something in the, the German psyche that's kind of fighting back, saying, "No, well, this, we're not having this." Well, they've had it so long. That's that's part of the problem. Uh, they've been living. A lot of people in Germany uh, have been living a, a more substandard uh, form of living because of the massive taxes to pay for reparations uh, for World War Two. In fact, they were still paying for World War One uh, and Two up until you know, recently. They're still paying for World War Two, and uh, uh, yeah, they, they were pretty well victimized to a great extent. I mean, we know for a fact that um, the groups that ran the English Empire. Eventually, were called uh, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They planned future wars and they planned the global society based on the, this domination of Britain that they're already done. They already dominate the whole world the same way. It's still going on now, of course. But they wrote in the, in the 1800s, and Professor Carl Quigley wrote about it in the Anglo-American Establishment. He wrote about uh, the, the fact that, that uh, they, they started the Boer War. They wanted to take over the wealth and resources of uh, of South Africa, and and they wanted to put it under British rule, so the British armies would pay to keep all the gold and diamond mines safe for for the private bunch. You see, and they wanted to do the same thing um, across the rest of the world, step by step by step. But since the Boer War, uh, they were also agitating for World War One against Germany, because of all the European nations that were allowed to. to to, to go and create their own little empires. I mean, France had them, Holland had them, um, Britain certainly had lots of them. You know, all the pink bits on the map were theirs, you see. And um, the, Germany tried to get into Africa too, it did to an extent, but Britain was, was trying to keep them out because they didn't want Germans to compete because the Germans were far too good uh, when it came to competition and manufacture of products and raw resources, they could get, they could certainly manufacture their products way better than uh, they could elsewhere. They're very meticulous in their work, the Germans, and uh, but their pride too, which a lot of countries lack, especially when you're dominated. You you, you put no work, a real real pride into your work when you're dominated. That happened in the Soviet era too, in the Soviet system. So. Um, those in London were, were afraid of the Germans, who uh, who are intelligent people. They could organise awfully, awfully well for administration purposes and run things awfully smoothly and efficiently. And they were a great threat to the other world bench merchandisers that had their bases in London. Uh, and so they wanted to put Germany down. Uh, so, they, so from the Boer War, the late 1800s, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, through all the papers they owned, which was pretty well all of them in England at that time, uh, were propagandizing for war with Germany, which they got in 1914. You know, so uh, this is an old-standing feud to put down uh, someone who could outcompete those who already had competed and dominated a good part of the world. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been termed self-hatred, I guess, um, in Germany for you know 
what occurred over the past century or so. But um, do, do you think that, I mean, I mean, of course, uh, the mass immigration has had a lot to do with it, I guess. But do you think there's an undercurrent in countries like Germany, who, who are a proud nation, and the, the people are proud, and they're always seen as a bit stuffy and no sense of humour and stuff like that, but, you know, they are industrious, they, they, you know, they, they can take care of themselves. Um, do you think there's a sense there that um, things need to change for them, and maybe maybe that's that's the kind of country that's going to kind of stand up and say, what, enough of this? Uh, it, it's, it, it could in time, perhaps, you know, stand up. But again, I don't think it's enough time left because the push is on now to eliminate all, pretty well all, European cultures. Uh, it's a big, big push on right now to do the final push for all. And we're living through it right now. Um, I was reading uh, years ago the plans for the Middle East. I, I'd gone through the, the project for a new American century, published in the 90s, which took me into... Uh, another guy was, was Henry Kissinger, of course, not just Brzezinski, but Kissinger himself uh, had been at, at odds with Brzezinski to an extent about the plan to take out the list of countries which they have taken out in the Middle East. This was in the 90s, you know, uh, and take over all its resources and so on. But uh, the, Brzezinski wanted the hard attack, basically, and that's why he supported, uh, you know, Bush and, and Obama and all that. Whereas Kissinger preferred uh, a system of constant destabilization of those countries until they're completely non-functional, then they could never stand up in a unified fashion anymore and fight in a unified fashion where they could win. If you're not unified, you aren't going to win. Uh, and uh, so you can only see what's happened, that Kissinger got his wish, uh, because they have destabilized those countries. They get all the different factions which were stable under the great dictators that they had. Uh, liked or disliked, didn't matter. The fact is these guys were strong-armed men who kept everybody in line, and they stopped them all slaughtering each other, and that they were uh, first-world cities, basically, that they've had there, you know. So, and they're all rubble today. And so they want them completely destabilized until they cannot unite uh, for as long as they want, for, for a generation, two generations, if need be, wherever. Uh, uh, so that they have no problem at all. And that's what they want to do with Syria as well, because they were also on that list published by the, the, the Project for New American Century. And, of course, we knew all the members of that, too, Bush Jr. in, where they got the war kicked off quite successfully uh, to, to take down those nations. So it's never stopped. Uh, they've got pretty well what they wanted, except for the last part of Syria and Iran. Uh, but they've got all the other countries knocked out, Libya and so on, destabilized, Stone Age, smashed, and, and living in poverty uh, and chaos. So it's all done by the Western powers. And even a lot of the countries in the West are dominated by people who don't really see themselves as members of the countries they actually live in. So... Uh, with the flooding of immigration, because, again, Kissinger mentioned that too. Long before Kissinger, the Rockefellers and their foundation members put out books on the destabilization of the world countries. First, you go and you bomb them, you, you create chaos. Uh, that creates them all, fleeing refugees. You put them into the Western countries. They then mix in, destabilize the Western countries uh, and to change the cultures until you have this, this mishmash of bits and pieces of different cultures, and uh, once you've lost your pride as a nation, 
as a people. And let's be honest here, there's, there's ethnic groups involved, and you cannot ignore ethnic groups. Uh, you know, uh, we've always had ethnic groups that really do exist. You can't just say certain people are allowed to be ethnics and the rest are not. That's nonsense. Everybody should be allowed to be ethnic. That's part of who you are. That's your history. That's who and what you are. If you don't know what your history is, you're like the American Indians who are, are drinking themselves to death and taking drugs and dying at an early age because you're completely deculturalized. That's what happens when you lose your whole history and, and your sense of purpose and, and, and uh, uh, those that came before you. So uh, there's ethnic groups involved here. Some, are, some run the money system. Let's be honest about it. Uh, it dictates. And when you run the money system, you can run the whole countries, including the very powerful ones, for your own ends. And you might want everyone else to, to mix together racially, uh, which then eliminates what they claim are the more uh, extreme forms of fighting back against uh, conquering, uh, conquest. And, uh, and then you can be managed by another group, you see. Uh, that's part of the strategy that's going on right now. So uh, once you're totally deculturalized, then it's finished, you know. You'll all be alcoholics, drug addicts, or suicidal, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's think about uh, Eastern Europe, the, the, all this, all this carry-on that's going on uh, with the immigration into Hungary, apparently through Serbia and all the rest of it. And uh, a lot of these a lot of these guys have got nothing to do with, with uh, Syria. They're, they're coming from all over the place and just using yeah. it as an excuse to get in. But um, in terms of like Eastern Europe, I'm thinking of Bulgaria again because that's the area I know most about. Um, they have a large Muslim community there. I mean, we're getting off on a tangent, but it doesn't matter. But uh, right across Bulgaria, there's, there's many, many different ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it, I, the people in Bulgaria have a, a very kind of... Um, they've got a good sense of their own culture, of, but it's an yeah. old one. It's an old yeah. culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, with all this happening now, I, I mean, I, I see this ending in absolute chaos and uh, trouble. I don't know if that's, that's what it's supposed to lead to. But... Mm-hmm. Um, the same old excuse will be given that, uh, you know, uh, well, we need the workers now because uh, the, the best workers have gone off to Europe, you know, uh, which, of course, was all planned anyway. Um, and I've heard you say before, uh, one of your, your broadcasts, that uh, in Poland they're trying to entice people back because they've no skilled labour there anymore. They've all, they've all gone. Right. The country's fallen to bits. It's the, same in, it's the same in Bulgaria. It's very hard to get really skilled workers there to, yeah. to do anything. And uh, I can see this being used as an excuse, but it's 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 going to just cause absolute chaos in those countries. And uh, I don't know, are we, are we going to see another Bosnian war type situation? Uh, the U.S. has got a lot to do with uh, the present day Bosnia, and and not Bosnia, uh, um, uh, Bulgaria, and places like that, because. Uh, the West, the U.S. actually has been putting in missile bases in there for quite a few years now. They're quite happy to move the folk off the land. We also know that the EU system has more up its sleeve than just we're a bunch of politicians that want uh, a collective Europe for the greater good and all that nonsense. Uh, they've been dishing out through, again, the, the International Monetary Fund, the central bank, uh, millions and millions of dollars to these countries. Um, but uh, they're giving them to the corrupt guys in charge, they're, and they know who they are, and they know that that's why they give them to them, knowing they'll put it to other uses, etc. They don't want it to go to the people in reality, but, but they put that money down on the tab of the country to get paid off as debt, you see. 
So everyone's under this yoke of massive debts. They don't see any infrastructure getting built out. All the money that's getting supposedly lent to them uh, is going to these crooks that are all in, in cahoots with the guys at, at the commission of the EU parliament. So uh, they're, they're doing a lot. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, which is very deliberate. At the very top, you don't keep giving money to the same people, like individuals, in charge of certain parts of the country's um, uh, infrastructure. You don't keep giving them billions of dollars, and you, they never account for it, except nothing's, nothing's ever done physically with it as far as building anything goes or maintaining roads or anything else or getting factories going. Uh, so why would you keep giving them the same? It's because they want to get the countries into massive debt. Eventually, a lot of these countries will be sold off to individuals, by the way, like Greece's. There's no doubt about it. They're always selling their islands off and everything else. That's to happen everywhere else, too. We've got to understand the goals of the end of nations. You know, Von Rompuy said it himself, that the age of a nation state is over. But he and his group also published articles about the end of boundaries and borders of what were once called countries or nations. And certain parts are sold off to corporations. There's parts of England where oil is coming in, refineries and so on. That's been sold off to foreign, other foreign companies, you know, corporations outside the country, including the shoreline. You know. So, so you're, you're going to see the, the, the divvying up of the world into private hands. This is what they want for this new super elite, which already does exist as far as financial uh, ability goes. And, um, and, the, 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 and you're going to get, they're going to bring in the common currency, of course. Uh, the, the whole history of the World Bank and the IMF and so on, all set up by the private group that ran London called Royal Institute of International Affairs and the British Empire that they ruled, uh, set up those institutions as well. They're all privately owned by their members. And they're used as a warfare strategy. Get the countries into massive debt. Cause such a system of poverty while you're doing it. That all, all the young folk immigrate out of the countries. Your country's going to collapse once the young folk are out and they don't interbreed. But you can bring in foreigners that will come and go, believe me. Nobody wants to stay in those countries. They want to go to London or to the U.S. or somewhere else. Uh, so they're only transient places, but you can sell them off. Uh, to, to private individuals And you're back to a new feudal system That's the whole key of it That they want the world t- turned into this new feudalistic system Where the proper people Own the world And you, you're back to the, to the kind of Peasant serf class that happens to live on it You'll get bought and sold with the land uh, That sound, it sounds outrageous To an extent, but that's already happening As I say, if you look at Greece, they've been selling off Their islands and, and and their ancient property that was owned by the nation and the people, they're selling them off. You know, some 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 certain nations have actually bought them to Israel, bought one for an air base. You know, so that's going to happen across the whole world. The U.S. has um, has done the same thing with its missile bases too, uh, on the countries all around the Black Sea. So uh, there's a lot of strategies going on right now as the folk make use order out of chaos. It's their order, of course, to suit themselves. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know in Bulgaria that uh, there's a lot of uh, American uh, bases there already. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, t- in terms of um, corporations and private individuals buying up countries, mm-hmm. uh, the, the big corporations are moving into to Bulgaria, Hungary, all those places, and buying up large tracts of land mm-hmm. uh, to, to grow their GM crops on, I guess. Yeah. Um, but um, in terms of, uh, going go back to what we started with, the, the, the way culture is portrayed, I, I know in Bulgaria mm-hmm. they have their own historical dramas, yeah. and generally all of them are about defeating the Ottomans, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah. 
been winners, been winners as such. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's two factions in, in Bulgaria, two, two main factions. You've got the, the the royal family and you've got the military, and that's the two factions there. Um, I, I don't know how it's going to pan out with the, the influx of of Muslims into into Bulgaria, but I mean, taking it as portrayed that the Muslims are always bad. And and if you go down to the southeast of Bulgaria, I mean, they, they are relatively poor compared to the rest of the the country there. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. How, how do you think that will go? <laughs> well, well, within within I always look at circles within circles, uh, and strategies within strategies. You understand that this is how the world really is run. Uh, by very uh, full-time guys working in full-time think tanks, military and otherwise, and economic think tanks too, often together, of how to take down and run countries for the benefit of the few. And um, you, you'll find that you, you deculturalize the people, you get rid of their youth, of course they're going to collapse, is what they used to be. Uh, their traditions will, will not be passed on to another generation of their own. Incomers don't care about your ancient traditions. Uh, they have their own customs, their own laws often too, and they'll go by their own laws and histories and, and they have no affinity with anything that happened within, in your country, which they've moved into. Uh, that's why they're brought in en masse as well into Britain, etc. They all voted Labour, and Labour from Harold Wilson on was determined to flood the country with all different kinds of people of, of totally alien, and again, here's the key, was non-Christian countries. The, the, the more div and massive studies were done in this for universities, the more diverse and opposite the cultures you could bring together, the more chaos it would create. Then you could recreate a new culture out of all of that chaos. That's the whole key of it. That's the strategy. And um, they've been awfully successful with that until, again, people in Britain have no idea of pride or who they even are anymore. And, and uh, they're told not to say certain things or whole words and, and parts of history just disappear and aren't taught anymore, uh, and, and you're deculturalized, and therefore you're owned by another group. And one group runs them all, and that's the economic group. Those who manage and lend out the cash, everything comes under that, that capstone at the top. Whole nations run on it, politicians go cap in hand to, for more cash. and so, so, so believe you me, they're the winners of it all in the end when no one's got any history or pride or anything else to stand up and fight for. Yeah, one thing I've noticed at the same time as all these historical dramas are coming out, um, you have all these futuristic ones at the same time yeah. that kind of some of them, some of them are kind of geared towards giving you hope for the future, and other ones are kind of showing you that uh, it's only going to be certain people that go forward and yeah. stuff. But but there is no culture in any of them whatsoever. No. Everything's everything's gone. It's just a, it's just a group of people. That's right. That, that's exactly right too. And uh, the problem, again, with, with uh, Bulgaria and other countries, again, circles within circles, you, you have this paid mercenary force. Let's be honest about it. We've got the whole history of, of, of ISIS uh, and who created them and who, who funded them from the beginning and Al-Qaeda and all the rest of it. It's all from the U.S. side, you know, not from the, because the Americans want it, that those who rule America want it. <laughs> and, uh, and they use the American uh, soldiers who are only too happy, it seems, to sign up and go off and fight these wars, which they don't even understand or care about. Um, but uh, they're the present, the cannon fodder. Before that, it was always the British folk that were cannon fodder, the ordinary British folk were cannon fodder for empires. Uh, and the U.S. took over from, of course. 
but they're ruled by, again, another group who have their own world strategy on the go at the same time. So you can always move this mercenary force into any other country you want to, uh, 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 where you have peaceful Muslims, bring them inside, next thing you know, all Muslims are going to be hated because here's this radical group who are really mercenaries, getting well paid, by the way, and funded and well-armed and equipped still today from the West to, 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 to destabilize any country they're told to go into, and that's happening too. Do you think you really think the combined forces of NATO and the massive weaponry and everything else they've got could not take out one group of people? You know? Well, absolutely not. And it's the same down at um, at Cali, where we're supposed to have uh, you know five thousand immigrants uh, storming yeah. the Euro Tunnel. Well, if that was five thousand football supporters, uh, they'd be sorted out pretty quickly. <laughs> absolutely. And the other key too with all these massive immigration, uh, uh, there are Bangladesh is everybody's on the bandwagon here, and and. Um, Believe you me, uh, there are big organizations, well-funded again by, from the West, who are organizing them all, giving them the cash and finances to get them all to come over. <laughs> so, no, this is, this is a, a warfare strategy going on, and um, it's awfully well-organized indeed. And it's planned, and you know when the media are told to suddenly promote it all, it's a great thing, uh, that then this is part of the plan, yeah. Yeah, we've gone off into immigration and main, mainly, but uh, I mean, it's incredible. I've, I've driven through Serbia many times, and uh, to, to believe that people are coming out of Greece and going the full length of Serbia uh, to get to the Hungarian border and get in like that is, is it's just bizarre. It just couldn't yeah. happen. It yeah. just couldn't happen. I mean, you, you drive through Serbia, you're going to get stopped by a cop somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that's that's just what happens to you. And there's so many toll roads and everything to, to go through. Uh, you just wouldn't make it from one end to the other. Well, over. And meanwhile, they've got, they've got trains coming through all these countries that are given clearance by the UN and everybody else. Uh, the thousands of them on, you know, I mean, just one after another. Uh, that's all paid for in advance, you know, and organised in advance. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I was, I worked on one of those railways actually, <laughs> putting the bridge over the Danube, uh, yeah. the, the the big European highways now. Cutting right across and uh, going into Serbia as well, but they've got all the stanchions up there for the roads that are to go in when they um, finally get into the European Union. But uh, they were funded with European money before there was any talk of it. You know, um, in, t- in terms of what I mean, we, we know kind of what the culture is going to be in the future, but I, I don't suppose you'd call it a culture as such, would you? No, you, you will have a culture at the top for, for, the, for the elite. Uh, a, a kind of alien culture in its own right, too. But uh, for the rest of the people, now you have this mishmash of, of really uh, amorphous, meaningless things, actually. Uh, mental illness will definitely increase out of it. That always happens when you do this on a big scale. Uh, as folk get depressed and lose hope and everything and become nihilistic, that's what happens. Uh, so, and that's why, too, by the way, they're building up all the mental health institutions to prepare for all this stuff in advance. And all the drug industries are involved as well. Uh, they know the, the, all this has been planned a long time ago, and everything, every battle plan has all of its fallouts and what's going to happen, how we take care of this and that and the other, and each think tank gets its own functions to specialise in an area. The thought of all this way, way, way in advance, the public are always told it's just happening now, it's just spontaneous out there blue and all that nonsense. No, this, this took years of planning, all this stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to say to the Bulgarian people when they, when they, uh, they have the Americans and say that, you know, that they're, they're taking all their jobs. Well, there's virtually no jobs there anyway for them to take. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. y- you know, so... Well, you, you know they're going to simply, again, help help again what they do want. 
is, is for those countries to then borrow more money from the European Central Bank, the IMF and World Bank. Uh, and and you get to a stage where they will declare, you know, you're totally bankrupt. We now own you, and you're going to be serfs forever and ever, generation after. Whoever happens to be living doesn't matter to them. Uh, you, you'll have no more nationality. You, you're just a bunch of serfs living in a substandard uh, medieval system, basically. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that there now, to be honest. Um, yeah. uh, out in the countryside, there's there's virtually no work for anybody. Uh, no. Young people no. Have, have no future. Uh, they've just got to live on the land as, as best they can, basically. I mean, I see, I see, I see some of the the, the Roma gypsies uh, running in and out of fields carrying watermelons and corn and stuff like that, and, and you can't blame them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, they've got to eat, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, it's gonna it's gonna break down into that more and more, and uh, I, I guess we'll have the, the likes of Monsanto and Dupont and all these big agro companies having their own um, private little mercenary groups to to guard their crops and stuff like that. Well, they already have them. Well, I mean, on, on the boots on the ground in Bulgaria, or, or maybe they'll just... Uh, well, they you know, do, because Monsanto's in the group, the Blackwater and all the rest of them, you know, they're actually not the same company. They, they actually bought them, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess that's the way it's going, and as you say, people will be reduced to serfs, and it'll be, you know, food stamps for everybody, because uh, that's uh-huh. that's all they'll be. That's all they'll that's be, if you're lucky. That, that's it. And you better be grateful for it, or else, yeah. <laughs> But I'm not kidding you, they, they want a, a destabilised world to bring in the common world structure, a common governmental system, uh, a common monetary system run by the World Bank. That's why it was set up in the Bank for International Settlements. That's why they set that up a long time ago, was to run all of the money system of the entire planet through one system. And, and you have to create a massive chaos to make all that come about. Yeah, and uh, they're not going to be able to do all this without, uh, I guess, massive depopulation somewhere down the line because uh, there'll, be, there'll be too many people fighting back, I guess. Uh, just, just You will see the time when literally, uh, again through the UN and its various org- organizations, uh, you'll see food redistribution. We already have it to an extent, too. You can use pricing to do it by, by itself, not scarcity, or you can create what appears to be scarcity as you put it to other countries that they need it more. Uh, are, are more productive than you are, etc. You only see that across Europe, including Britain. Yeah. On one day, one day you will see that. Yeah. Yeah, and they're already doing a calorie count. F- f- food's always always been used as a weapon, and many years ago, it was a woman who was in charge of the the United Nations Agricultural Department, and she said that food's always been used as a weapon by conquerors down through society, uh, the ages, and uh, it will be used again. Yeah, I've heard you many times talk about. Um, how it'll come down to so many calories per person. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've got a, a present system right now where, where uh, through the World Health Organization, it's, it's telling you how much to eat, what to eat, what not to eat, and all the rest of it. You will definitely go through a stage where... Uh, look at Scotland right now. It's a prime testing base for for mental health from children. If they have any, any strange questions that they ask, out of curiosity at the age of two, it goes down in a report there and they get readjusted, you know? to make sure that we all live in ethnic harmony, etc. I'm not kidding you. That's going on right now. But also will come along that your height, your weight, and so on as you grow up and throughout your entire life, that's going to happen one day. Yeah. yeah. For everybody across the planet. I wonder what kind of uh, TV programs will be putting out then about culture. There'll be, there'll be none whatsoever to, to even remind people. No, you know, you will, all, you'll be, all, you'll be taught, all you'll be taught that the world was in chaos because of competing ethnic groups and, and, and tribal rivalry, etc. That's all you'll be taught. Uh, and it was utter chaos and slaughter and, and awful and terrible. 
Uh, and now we've brought in civilization, a new properly scientifically designed society with scientific uh, indoctrinations and education and so on. Uh, and that's, that's what we taught, yeah. And folk will believe it too, yeah. Yeah, we'll probably get some remakes of uh, H.G. Wells' Time Machine or something. Yeah. They'll be playing every Christmas instead of The Wizard of Oz. That's it. Oh, yeah, and, and then I'll have a sort of special day, too, when they'll declare uh, World Unification, uh, World Government Day, uh, and so on. And then we'll have special ones for the scientific divisions within uh, this world structure, uh, praising them for bringing us into this new scientifically designed society where even our brains or what's put into our brains is is scientifically approved and calculated and worked out for us. That's already there, actually, when you see what they're learning in school. It's all social engineering, yeah. Okay, so the culture we've got to look forward to is no culture. It's no culture for the masses. When you you have no culture, you're never a threat to to the dominant group that still has it. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Alan, uh, we've uh, done that over again. Uh, thanks very much for your time and uh, this time on the line there. We'll yeah, it's, 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 been a, it's been a rushed little hour there but and, and too much for one hour but to go into to any kind of details. And But yeah, I mean, uh, what's portrayed is generally fiction uh, to the to people uh, for, and always for a purpose against your own uh, well-being. <laughs> yeah, yep. Okay, thanks very much. And, uh, we'll call that a day there. Okay.